Sian Chamuel, I I just want to hear the explosion. It's like chugga 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 bam. What was that? <laughs> a fish just exploded on my way to work. You know. Yeah, give me four dollars <laughs> of chum on uh, pump number seven. Uh, <laughs> Hello, I am your host, Samuel Hansen, and you are listening to Combinations and Permutations, episode 44, brought to you by AcmeScience.com. On today's episode, we talk about recreational mathematics and the passing of its late god, Martin Gardner. We also talk about Monty Hall again, birthdays, and a very special boy who was born on a Tuesday. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Combinations and Permutations, the mathematical podcast that comes to you from... My apartment. And no yes. longer a secret location. No, it hasn't been... God damn it, you haven't been on in a long time. You know what? It hasn't God, been... Fuck can't you, you're muted him. already. You can't blame him for not showing I, you up. You know what? Everyone but me is muted right now because I don't want to deal with them interrupting me while I complain about how late they were. Hey, hey. They were supposed to have left the math department to come over here to my apartment to record this podcast that I know all of you listening love and adore and... <laughs> Well, mostly my parts of it, uh, and and they are literally an hour late right now. Uh, yeah, they brought a bunch of things that we can't eat right now because if we did, you would throw up while you're listening to the podcast. Uh, and and so that's just me complaining about these horrible people that I now have to introduce uh, to all of you as if I actually like them. Starting off with the man who has negative superpowers right now because being late is a negative power. Mr. Anthony Solari, who is now actually off of mute. Oh, see, but having a negative superpower is actually a superpower if you watch Heroes. That no, I don't, I, I don't watch Heroes, nor are we going to talk about it. You know, the reverse flash is the exact same thing. As and flash, that voice you hear is the butcher and massacre himself, <laughs> Brandon Metz. Hey, that's true. Grr. That's very true. <laughs> And then finally, uh, the one person who I'm surprised that I muted, given that he hasn't actually done anything to annoy me in the last 10 seconds, that would be the undergraduate. Wasn't that a movie? Or was that the graduate? That was the graduate. You make one about him. That's the undergraduate. (laughs) The the undergraduate. undergraduate. (sighs) God damn it. I just don't even want to say the name. Christopher Bates. Not only do we have tasty tori, we have sweet spheres. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, I think did. I managed he to cut him off, off before oh. he finished that. That was some of the food we brought. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't Sugary know. Mathematical I thought it was objects. a coffee cup, though. Ah, it depends. Coffee mug, coffee cup would be one from Starbucks. It does not have a handle, therefore there's no hole and is topologically equivalent. He said hole. Well, we brought to the, the spheres. spheres. The spheres, yeah, not Yeah, the, so the coffee cup and the and the donut holes are topologically equivalent, but a coffee mug with a handle and a donut Nuts. are topologically equivalent. equivalent. Right. Could you have a no, coffee you couldn't, mug Chris. made of donut? But it's like you know, coffee tight, even... so you could drink coffee from it 
and well, then that eat would be the up. worst donut ever. Because in order to make some a donut that either wouldn't dissolve in hot liquid, super stale, or, or well, really I either wouldn't dissolve in hot liquid or was so dense that hot liquid yeah. could not get through, <laughs> through it. it. Would either, either be uneatable or uneatable. <laughs> well, take that as a challenge. <laughs> yeah, we're we're that's our next project, I believe. Cooking. Uh, okay. Cooking uh, so cup. on combinations of permutations, what we do is we uh, we take a topic, and then I try to keep everyone on topic talking about it, so that everyone listening who actually wants to learn about mathematics, because I know that's why you listen to this show. Uh, well, we. Brandon, you got something to say? Guys, guys. Sorry, yeah. I just <coughs> Okay, and then uh everyone else here just acts like a dumb piece of shit. Uh and derails the conversation. That's their main goal, I think. I think <laughs> that I am actually becoming more and more bitter every episode we record at this I point. I just get happier and happier then. <laughs> Yeah, we're enjoying it more, and I think you're enjoying it less. Yeah, I, think I really think, think that's, that's, that's what's happening. It. Like, this has become a job for me. <laughs> and for all of you, just like, hey, let's annoy Sam Damn. again. Ooh, yeah, oh, we yeah. got another hour to annoy Sam. I actually, yeah, I pick, that's how I picked my topic. <laughs> yeah, true. He's deciding this in the car. He's like, I can't wait to annoy Sam. Uh, yeah, I've already, I've already warned you. This is one of the few times when uh, I've actually mentioned the topic that we're going to talk about beforehand. <laughs> like, I gave everyone a day to prepare for this topic. And this is because this, this is a very important topic. Uh, let's see at, when this is going to actually be released. There'll be a couple of weekends ago, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, uh, math lost uh, very possibly the greatest popularizer that it's really ever had this uh, man who for 25 years wrote a column on mathematics for the scientific american and his name uh, not so much anymore but his name for a long time was synonymous with mathematics and that is uh, the great and now the late martin gardner and uh, in the other podcast that i do which i honestly like a lot more than this because i don't have to deal with these people i uh, i quite i quite often talk to mathematicians and ask them why uh, they got turned on to mathematics and, and the reason that they do math now. And it seems easily 95% of the time I ask this question, it this name comes up every time. It's always, well, when I was, you know, seven or eight years old, I saw my first Martin Gardner column. Mm. And, you know, uh, there's a huge list of people who are, you know, are in math because of them or, or started doing math because of them, started doing more interesting math because of them. And what he did uh, for Scientific American is he wrote a column called Mathematical Games, and it was a puzzle column, essentially. Now, Martin Gardner is, is a weird person. He's a journalist. He's not a mathematician, or he was not a mathematician. He took no college math courses. Uh, he much. had not taken... He a philosophy. Well, yeah, he took no, and, but he was a journalist. And mm-hmm. so when he started writing about math, uh, he started with a flexagon, hexagon thing yeah. which is a really cool thing you can uh fold it and it just makes all these really cool shapes and then that's how he started and then after that he started writing more and but he also started corresponding and he was notorious for his correspondence he hooked up so many people I'm, uh, i was just watching a video from an old pbs show on martin gardner and he actually was the reason that a uh man who became very famous for doing the mathematics of card shuffling got into harvard because uh he know he knew the head of math at harvard and uh, he uh, had written a, essentially a letter of recommendation for this kid because uh, he was a magician as well. 
and uh, Martin Gardner was an amateur uh, magician and oh, actually created. Guy. I know who that is. From, yeah, Stan- he, from Stanford? No, Martin Gardner was. He was not a mathematician. He was the writer from Scientific American. Have you been listening to me at all in the past five minutes? No, the, I mean the, the car, car shuffler. shuffler guy. Oh, for a statistician, mathematician at Stanford, I believe. Now. I don't know exactly where he is now. He wasn't at Stanford in the video I'm watching, but the video is from like the 80s <laughs> or early 90s. I mean, it's, it's, an older, it's an older PBS show. And so, yeah, I mean, he's an amateur magician. Actually created a lot of uh, card tricks. He's the one who really introduced uh, M.C. Escher... Penrose tilings uh, mm. and uh, the, the game of life. He introduced all three of those things to the oh, I didn't to know the, he did the game of life. Well, either. he didn't. Uh, that's John Conway's game of life. Yeah, but he he's the it one. To the public. Yeah, he's the uh-huh. one who. Well, I mean, Conway had, but he's the one who wrote about it. Uh, Bill Gosper, the famous hacker from <laughs> uh, MIT, found out about the game of life through Martin Gardner. Oh, okay. And he was the one who uh, I think. Gosper guns. He's the one who did the the slider guns in the game of life. The thing that creates something guns. that fires. It fires out a uh, like four automata or four cells that move away from the initial thing, and that was the Gosper gun. Oh, and that that's Bill Gosper. So, in honor of Martin Gardner, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up because I'm sure he would have been tired of listening uh, to him. me talk <laughs> no, about him are. at this point. <laughs> Uh, we're going to be talking about recreational mathematics today, and this is, I mean, this is just, it's a term that just refers to, you know, mathematical puzzles and mathematical games. And, I mean, these can be anything from uh, brain teasers to uh, it's something like, say, Sudoku, which is a mathematically based game. I mean, it's a perfect square game. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, now, anyone have uh, any memories of playing mathematical games when they were younger, you know, the, you know, some sort of mathematical object or something that you enjoyed playing with? I had this weird board game type thing. It was, um, <clears throat> I know it was math related because it was all numbers, but it was like this landscape that was like, it was like some plastic landscape, like mountain with like, I don't know, some other shit, like an ocean, all kinds of stuff. But you would move a marble in these holes on this. I don't know. I don't remember how the hell it was played. I just remember oh, I played I the marbles a lot. <laughs> and then I would throw the marbles and there was like a slide from a volcano down to something else. And it was just like, it's pretty freaking sweet. That's a, mm. I, I know I had something with that. I, I don't know what it was anymore. And, and how does it do with mathematics? It, had, num- about it had numbers, and, and you had to play it by doing sweet. something, some kinds of arithmetic and stuff. Okay. okay. I don't remember anything. You had to like do arithmetic and then move to a certain spot and then a whole bunch of other things. But it was pretty fucking badass, I must admit. It was so, it was so cool. I remember. It had a rocket ship, too, and it was like, it was awesome. <laughs> But that's that's what I remember. That's my first memory of something. The mathematical, as far as actual games go, I only remember playing much with the Rubik's Cube. And that, I mean, back in the 70s, there wasn't very many people except like a certain mathematician who did a lot of simple group theory that I know who could solve it. But, of course, nowadays people can do it like yeah, I in mean, my church youth group. Seconds. I know people who can do it in seconds. Yeah, I mean, there's those tutorials where you can learn the moves that you need. Yeah, but I mean, like yeah, twenty I mean, years later. Yeah, and Rubik's cube is. I mean, it's just group theory. Yeah, and that's what I was like. I, if I ever teach a group theory course, I think I'm going to bring a Rubik's cube, tell them how to do the motions, how to do the notation, say, okay, your test number one, solve this Rubik's cube. <laughs> and that, ouch, man. Ouch. <laughs> and they'll think suck, it's impo- they'll think it's impossible until they learn how to use the group theory in order to solve it, and they'll be like, "Man, I'm glad I know group theory." That's kind of the idea, but I think you know it really does teach you group theory. Yeah. If you, you just got to sit there, you got to be very extra careful. You got to write down the notation, and group theory will do the whole thing for you. 
Uh, the thing that I remember playing with or doing a lot, I mean, they were actually puzzles, but the logic puzzles. Oh, logic you know, puzzles the, uh, I love, yeah. Uh, you know, Jim owns a red car. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the red cars are Fords. And uh, then, you know, there's a bunch of different types of Fords and everything, you know, and you have everything. You have to go through that chart and you put X's and, you know, yeah. X's where it doesn't match and O's where it doesn't. You have to figure out, mm-hmm. you know, some in game. Like, you have to prove something at the end of it. Hmm. It's like, I remember playing with those a lot when I was, like, five or six years old. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's when I was doing them a lot because I was in the stupid gift and talented program at my school. Oh. And uh, it, mostly for mathematics. Like, they didn't feel the need to put me through first grade mathematics when I was in first grade. Yeah. And so instead, I would go to this room and essentially play these fun puzzles. I did not realize that they were math-based at no, the time. Otherwise, I probably would have yelled and screamed and said, no, I'm already too advanced in math. I, w- I was a petulant little child. So, Very few things change. Was? <laughs> no, I was a petulant child. I am yeah, now a petulant, petulant man. <laughs> well, that's still under debate. <laughs> Young adult. Young adult. <laughs> that's better. <laughs> male young adult. Young man. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm so going to sure say I'm a young man. man. That's probably pretty safe. I'm, I... <laughs> I do have the, you know, bits and two bobs. The bit and two bobs. 31, 32, 32, and 33. Okay, Uh, okay, so that's a callback (laughs) to an episode we're releasing after this. Yeah, Uh, It's actually a callback to an episode that hasn't been recorded yet. That's an in-group joke about the future. So anyone wonders what 31, 32, and 33 is referring to, make sure to listen to next week's. Amazing and exciting combinations and permutations. God, you sound more <laughs> retarded when you say that. Is that is that a call forward then? I mean, a no. call forward. It's it's it's, 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 it's a flash it's, forward. But thankfully, all of us are better actors than Joseph Fiennes. <laughs> well, that's all right. so it's a joke for everybody who knows what happened to us in the future. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, what I, what I requested, the reason why I let everyone know about this ahead of time uh, for once, is I made, I made a request for everyone to come up with some sort of mathematical puzzle or a mathematical game to uh, bring in so that we could talk. Because, I mean, what's there really to talk about, you know, recreational mathematics? We've already talked about it. It's games and puzzles that have to do mm-hmm. with math. So that's, that's it. Uh, and so uh, now we're going to open it up. Uh, Chris hasn't been talking much. So, Chris, do you have uh, a puzzle uh, for us so that we can discuss on air here? Oh, yes. Die Hard 3. <laughs> okay, gotta, once gotta again, uh, when, when, when you were talking jokes? to me about this, I hope that you come up, came up with uh, the actual problem here instead of kind of, sort of what it is, because we want to get a solution. <laughs> right. Really? Yeah. Die Hard 3 sounds like we want to blow stuff up. I do want to blow stuff up. Go, Chris. That's true. All right, so the problem is there's, well, you, you might remember the scene. Spoiler alert, just for anyone who hasn't Chris, seen it yet. Chris. It is, it is 2010. <laughs> if you it's haven't watched Die Hard 3, you just don't really care <laughs> yeah. very much. I don't care very much. Yeah, I don't think there's a twist at the end or anything you're no, going to No, I mean... <laughs> All right. So it's one of those puzzles where, you know, a bomb is about to go off in this little briefcase thing. Unless the following can be accomplished, there are three vessels uh, that can contain water. Uh, one of them holds exactly... You know, ten ounces. The other one holds oh, exactly I doing that one. seven ounces, the and the other one holds exactly. Euclidean, sorry, Right, right. And so the question is, you know, if if you want to put exactly, say, four 
ounces of water into one of the containers, but the only size containers you have are a 10-ounce, a 7-ounce, and a 3-ounce. You know, how, how can this be done? Can this even be done? And I'm sure you've, as, as Brandon mentioned, there's a, a way to attack the problem using the Euclidean, al- uh, Euclidean algorithm. There's also a, a, a brute force method using, uh, I believe it's um, uh, depth-first um, uh, trees, mm. uh, where you start with a certain amount of you know water in a d- depth. No, I, I know it's you're maybe talking it's about for spanning trees. Uh, uh, you're, you're, I mean, you're talking about a search algorithm. I'm just I, that look on my face was me trying to figure out how you could possibly use that, unless you're talking about the network flow algorithm. Well, you know, you start with um, say I don't know seven. Or was it a 10-ounce container, a 7-ounce, and, yeah, and a 3-ounce? Okay, so you have a 10, because we should really formalize this question here. So yeah. we have a 10, a 7, and a 3-ounce container. And how much are we trying to get exactly? And our goal is to get exactly 4 ounces of water. Okay. And which one is origi- is initially full, the 10-ounce one? That's the thing. You're, you're actually free to... You can start wherever you want, but the point is you must fill the container... You know, to exactly it's so. It's, why don't it's you capacity. just start with the seven ounce container, fill, have that completely filled, then fill up the, the three, three ounce and container, then and then you just and have four ounces. Over. I think he's not wording it properly. Yeah, but that's, like that's probably. Or... But it's more like you need to get a four a four ounces out of a three and a five. Yeah, it's something something along those lines. Something that's not so easy. Oh, okay. Like that, <laughs> right? What you well the way to do that? Have a three and a five. You get four. You know, you fill up a five. You dump out three. You dump out three of them. You're left with two inside. The five. And you keep filling it up until you get another two. Then you, you dump out the three, put it in the four, fill up the five. But the point yeah. is all of these all of these moves uh, can be kept can be kept track of in a tree where you know you start with the, the system in a certain state and then the nodes that are below it in the tree are the next allowed states that you could move to. And the the rule of course is that you're not allowed to repeat a state. Uh, so we're just trying to list oh, okay. all of all of the possible states uh, uh, starting from whatever the initial state was, uh, hoping that we can arrive at, you know, wow. the the intended solution. And so, I mean, this is just it's a brute force method, but it works. Yeah, because you're listing all the possible ones. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's not exactly the best way to do it, but brute force. Works. I guess it works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what the, I mean, this sounds very similar to me, uh, to or very similar to the Towers of Hanoi. Yes. Problem to me. Uh, anyone remember exactly how to word the Towers of Hanoi problem? Yeah, well, you, have, you usually have three. I know three, what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, you usually have like... You the, have three, the conventional like, game towers. is you have, like a, you have three towers. or th- Usually it's on like a piece of wood. So you have like a wooden block, and it has three poles sticking out of it. And on one of the three poles, you're going to have a pyramid of sorts of discs. Now, what you have to do with those is you have to move that whole pyramid from one of them one of those things well, to from another the pole. First, from the first one to the, to the third one is usually the yeah. The it's really typical. it's really to one or the other, but usually it's the first one to the third one. But the catch is you can only move one at a time, and, and you a can only bigger put ring can't be on a small right. Yeah. You can only put small rings on small discs on top of the bigger discs, not the other way. And so that's the trick behind it. Actually, the great thing about these, a lot of these games actually show up in video games. I mean, most of these games I've been... Uh, yeah, that's how I've been it was introduced in. It was, to it. I, I remember. I've well, seen I can name them. Are we allowed to name games? That? You mean like Mario, Bro- like Mario Brothers? I don't know. You sometimes get mad. So, um, Star, wait a minute, Star Wars, uh, Knights of the it? Old Republic. Yeah, you had to turn you, on the switches. With, and it, it, it was four electron, electric rings, and you had to, and you send had to send the three electric. poles. 
and you had to figure out how to get one from the other before you could get in. It was exactly door. the Towers of Hanoi, just with lights. Yeah, so. just with lights. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Light, I totally yeah, forgot light, about that, it, but now it's, it's like to, wow. It's totally a cool puzzle when it involves electricity and people dying. Yes, of course. <laughs> anything. Like that. Anything. Yeah, you just make take a mathematical puzzle. Say you die if it doesn't get solved, and now people are. In it's it, so. interesting. <laughs> Is that similar at all to in um, Mario Brothers One, where you have to go through? I think it's like level four. You know, when you you fight. Koopa, mm-hmm. and you have to go like along a certain path, and if you don't follow the same path, you just it just loops forever. Oh yeah, is, isn't is that, that like level nine? Isn't that four or nine? Uh, how does that Tower of Hanoi though? Yeah, that is <laughs> nothing totally not to do with Tower, Tower of Hanoi. <laughs> what the yeah. hell are you talking about? We're coming back to that. I was that like, that's later. really cool, Chris, but yeah, what the <laughs> we'll, fuck? We'll does come that back to, do with to that one later. <laughs> okay, uh, now I'm 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 really dreading uh, to to get to this one because uh, I've been warned that I'm going to absolutely hate it, but I'm gonna let Anthony go next. Uh, here, what what is uh, your puzzle? And I hope that it's a lot better worded than oh, Chris's. Unfortunately, it actually it wasn't a puzzle. I was going to talk about the philosophy. I thought you were going to talk about Martin Gardner. No, 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 no. I told so you I, I wanted I totally... a math puzzle or two that oh. we were going to talk about. I told you that yesterday. You know what? They listen to me as much outside of the podcast as they do in here. Yeah, students. I mean, people never listen. Students never, yeah, students, students never listen. Never, well, it's you don't, don't listen, listen to me. We're Stu- peers. Well, yeah, not really, because you're, you're the king of this podcast. No, but we are peers in, in the department. In the math department, but as far as the podcast goes, you're in charge. Yeah, but you're <laughs> technically above me in the math department, too, since you're a PhD yeah, candidate I mean, instead of in, master's. In, in the math department, but then... So we even out. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, don't, except, don't except I'm. When I tell you about math, I don't listen to you when you no, talk about the podcast. No, I listen to you when you tell me about <laughs> math. I don't listen to you when you tell me about physics. There's oh, a difference. Why would anybody okay. listen to that drivel? Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> since Anthony, see, I figured it would be Chris who would be unprepared here, not Anthony. But since mm-hmm. Anthony is completely and hopelessly unprepared, unprepared. Let's see. We're gonna go I'll, to Brandon instead. I'll think of another oh, one. Mine was the Towers of Hanoi. Oh, it was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was thinking there was there was the other one. Way I, to I go, jackass! I believe we did this one previously, but wasn't Martin Gardner also the one who came up with the, um, or at least he popularized? It was the whole Monty Hall problem. Uh, yeah, we did talk about uh, that. Which, one by the way, if you go back and listen to the Monty Hall episode, I was yeah, there. Okay, let's <laughs> still talk remember. about it. This is recreational math. This is yeah, yeah, thing. no, it's we we can talk about it. It's a good segue into what I was going to talk about. It, anyway. I mean, mm. the, it fooled so many people. People with PhDs when it was when it first it, came out. When I like when I first right. heard it, when I first heard it, which was on numbers that when it when it showed up on numbers it was the first time that I saw that, and it still to this day doesn't. I mean, I know how to do it, and I know why it works, <laughs> but goddamn, if it makes any sense at all. So, I know, it's okay, just... quick. In case people forgot, what it was, there was three doors. Behind one of the doors, there's a, there's a prize. Maybe a goat, because people like goats. P- goats and cars. <laughs> well, no, no, cars <laughs> is the prize. Behind the rest of the doors, there's oh, I goats. There yeah, was like two cars and a goat. Okay, so, <laughs> if... <laughs> so they don't want the cars; they want <laughs> they, the goat. They want the goat. Oh, I would kind of prefer the it? goat. Uh, you see, well, I, I want you the definitely goat. would, Sam. <laughs> I love my car. Goats have small so, carbon footprints. Yeah. So okay. So you don't you don't need uh you do not need a lawnmower. You don't need <laughs> a weed whacker. You do not need a leaf blower. And goat is the number one eaten food. Hey, don't need oh, a girlfriend. And meat the, in the world. Plus, you get all the milk. Yeah, and you can get goat's milk, which is a lot better for the human body than cow's milk is. Mm. And goat's cheese. And oh, goat's, goat's cheese. cheese. Awesome. Oh, totally. So Anyways, anyway, so there's this goat behind one of these doors, and there's two cars behind the other. We're trying to get the goat, right? And so the first thing you do, you pick a door. 
Now, the leader of the talk show host, he knows that, you know, there's two cars and one goat. And so he knows there's definitely one door left that has a car. And so he shows you the brand new car. And then he says, Do you, would, you like to switch your, would you like to switch your pick? Would you like to pick the one you went with originally? Or would you like to switch the doors? Well, And the answer is, is you want to switch doors because that gives you a two-thirds probability of getting a goat, which is our goal. Uh, wait, 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 I thought we were getting a car. No, we're, I'm aiming for a goat. You're two thir- you have the two-third <laughs> chance of winning. Whatever, you're, whatever you want to win, you have a two th- as long as there is one of what you want and two of what you don't want, if you switch, you have a two-thirds chance of getting what you do want. Why? <laughs> Why? Well, this is crazy because effectively, effectively, Monty's pretty much showing you where it goes. If you, um, because originally, it's more likely that you picked... Okay, I'm sorry. I don't want the goats. So it's more likely that you picked a goat if there's two goats. On your first try. So yeah, I mean, you have, a, you have a two-thirds chance that the first time that you pick something, you are getting a goat instead of the car. Right. Oh, so the, and when he shows prizes. you one of the, the other door that has a goat, then he's pretty much, you know, there's a two-thirds chance that the other door that you, pick, that you didn't pick, the one that's not showed, shown, is the car. Yeah, because you, you have a two-thirds chance on the first time the first of getting two. a goat. Now, you're shown where the other goat is. Is. I mean, you're shown where one of the goats definitely is. So that means that door originally only had a one-third chance of being the car. See, I think a really good way of And so the other one must be two-thirds. For two, three is the trivial case for it. Like, it's the most, it's the principal case. Yeah, it, it works so much better when you do this like with, a like, a thousand doors. A thousand doors. Because then, you know, he shows you, you have 999 goats and there's one car, right? Mm-hmm. So you pick a door... What's the chance that you picked a goat? Well, it's 999 out of 1,000. Yeah, what, so, it's better to talk, what's the chance you got the car? Yeah, which is 1 out of 1,000. <laughs> and then if you are like then cars. shown 998 goats, so you're shown all but the, essentially your door and one other door. And so the car is either behind that other door or behind your door. And it's more likely it's not behind yours. Behind because you, you were almost entirely sure not to get the car the first time. Mm-hmm. And then that's and that's why that's why that works, yeah, but I mean probability is almost never intuitive. No, I mean for one of these things I did actually I saved it for my actual birthday for my for the ninety six class right, and it's actually called the birthday problem, right? We've now re- I saved it. It was a good. It. I thought it was a, be, a good day to tell them, hey, it's my birthday, give me stuff, and they didn't. <laughs> but either way, <laughs> I mean, what the problem says is, if you're in a group of people. The question is asked, how many people do you think are needed for there to be a match of two birthdays? And what that means is not how many people do you need for it to be a match with your birthday, but if you compare every two, if you make a pair out of every person, every two people, like say one person over there, another person over there, you match them to their birthdays match. And just you the day in the a, month in the day. Do you mean there's What like is a the probability given a room with our people in it? That at least two people have the same birthday. That is, right. that is the wording. Right. And what's the and what's the smallest number of people that you would have to have in the room so that you have at least a fifty percent chance of a collision? Twenty. Yeah, it's twenty three for fifty percent. Okay. Yeah, that makes no sense because if you think about this intuitively, you would think, uh, what about one eighty three? Yeah, about one hundred eighty three yeah. people. That's what you'd expect in order to get a 50% chance that two people have the same birthday cuz you know that's half yeah, as yeah, many half as many people as there are days in the year but so intuitively know, 
that's what makes sense. But it's not that. What in order to get ninety nine percent, you're at like what forty five or forty six people. Yeah. It, it's and with thirty people, this is the one my dad. I was like, because in he taught high school, and high school classes are around thirty people big. You know, thirty people, and so. Uh, he would essentially make fake wagers, except the students didn't realize that they were mm-hmm. fake. Uh, when there's 30 people and be like, you know what? Uh, I'll give you uh, seven to three odds that uh, two people in here share a birthday. And that's because at 30 people, you have a 70% chance that two people have the same birthday. Mm-hmm. Now, this, this will let me talk a bit about uh, the problem I was going to bring up. Now, the problem I was going to bring up was actually... Uh, Probably the most talked about problem at this past year is Gathering for Gardener. Now, Gathering for Gardener, is, it was, I think, the ninth year this past year. G4G9. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it was G4G9, I think, yeah. was the Twitter hashtag for yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, and and gather, gather for Gar- Gathering for Gardener is a gathering of amateur magicians and recreational mathematicians, essentially. So, I mean, people like oh, John God, Conway and Stephen <laughs> Wolfram. I mean, these big-name people Wolfram. are there. Mm. I mean, Wolfram does cellular automata. Cellular automata is essentially recreational math in many ways. He's, the, he's done a huge amount of work with Game of Life, which is definitely, definitely recreational yeah. mathematics. Um, and so at this, this past gathering for Gardner, the last one that Gardner will be alive for, but it should still keep going every year, uh, there, was, there was this one problem that just everyone uh was super excited about and it was the tuesday boy or the tuesday boy birthday problem now uh and it comes it's a weird spin-off of the conditional probability uh boy boy uh birthday or boy boy problem oh, that one i know uh, and that's i uh, i have two children mm-hmm. one of them is a boy what is the probability that i have two boys now, Apparently not 50, there's, 50. well, there's, I mean, you think, oh, well, you know, one of them's a boy. So that means you have a 50-50 chance of having a boy or a girl for the other child, right? Mm-hmm. Intuitively, that's what it would say. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it, you know that there's two children, but you don't know which of the two children is a boy. True. So uh, the amount of ways you can have two children have at least one of them be a boy is the boy is born first and then a girl or a boy is born second. So that's two different possibilities. You can go boy-girl or boy-boy. Or you could have a girl first and then a boy, which would be girl-boy. Uh, and so that means how there's three chances there. So we're going to do the so Fermat version of probability, which is just complete enumeration. And, and so there's three chances. How many of those were boy-boy? One. So it's one-third. Right? One. Yeah, so the probability of it is exactly one-third. But now the Tuesday boy uh, birthday problem was uh, given by Gary Fashi. Uh, he's uh, from a town near Seattle. And he apparently just uh, walked up to the lectern uh, when they were giving out a bunch of problems. Because at these recreational math places, they just give out problems and people work on them. And walked up and said, I have two children. One is a boy born on a Tuesday. What is the probability that I have two boys? Oh, that's odd, because that doesn't necessarily specify the other, which one it is. Oh, no, it doesn't specify which one it is. The only thing it specifies adds this one extra little thing, mm. and that is that it's a boy born on, on a Tuesday. Tuesday. What the hell? What? Yeah, and the, and the and question then, is, like, what the hell? why would this change anything? 
I think that changes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're thinking. Like, 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 I mean, think about it. Who cares what day the boy was, was born on, right? Mm-hmm. So let's, let's actually think about how, how we would go about solving this. And, and I would suggest, again, I mean, obviously, I've already seen, I've seen multiple solutions for this now. Because I've been reading on it. Uh, I mean, since the Gathering for Gardener, it's shown up on Twitter so many times. And so uh, let's, let's actually talk about how we were doing. And so complete enumeration, right? Oi, do I have to talk about the other times the second one's born? Well, yeah, I mean, we're <laughs> gonna, going to completely enumerate this. So let's, let's okay. start out with, uh, uh, and, and I'll keep track of this uh, on, on a piece of paper. Let's start out first. You oh, have really? a... That's going to take forever. The first child <laughs> is born on a Tuesday. Okay. So, I mean, if we just make this a tree diagram, it'll, it should go by uh, pretty quickly. Okay. Uh, and if the next one is a girl, uh, it doesn't matter what day she's born on, right? No, I mean, not at all. Because the first... The, it, we have a boy who is born on a Tuesday. Oh, okay, so yeah. So, so that means... The first one. So the girl... So that means that there's seven different ways that can happen, right? Because mm-hmm. it can be a girl born on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Either Thursday, Thursday Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Sunday. Sunday. What was the original question again? Just to... What is the... If... You, you don't listen. This person has a boy. Yeah, this person has a boy a who's born on a Tuesday. They have two children. What is the probability? Oh, oh, they have two children. Yeah. Okay, yes. What is the probability that they have two boys? And so by introducing the idea of a day of the week, we now have to enumerate everything for the days, days of, of the, the week. week. And so now let's, let's look at the other way. So now we have a boy. The first child is a boy born on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And so then there's seven ways that the uh, second child could be a girl. Okay. And so then, Brandon, what's, what's the next one? What's, if this, what can the second child be then? Boy. And then how many ways can that happen? Well, it can't be on a Tuesday if it's the first one. No. No, no there's, there's, there's no. It doesn't what say it? that the second child is not born on a Tuesday. Oh, so it could be. You could yeah. have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. So right. once again, seven so, ways, right? Mm-hmm. And so now... Uh, Let's talk about uh, the second boy, or the second child being a boy born on a Tuesday. So we've already completely enumerated all the ways that the first child can be born on a Tuesday. On a Tuesday. Okay. And then you can have a second child. So then if we do it, uh, the first boy, uh, or the, the first child is the unknown, and the second child is the boy born on a Tuesday. How many ways uh, then can so we have a girl be the first person born? Seven, right? Seven. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. Now, how about uh, the boy be the first child born? It'd still be seven, right? No, it wouldn't. Because we have already enumerated all the ways that a boy born on a Tuesday can be oh, yeah, the you can't first count it born. One. So we can, you, if, you, if we're counting all the ways the second child can be born on a Tuesday, it can only happen six ways. Because we've already counted the boy, Tuesday, boy. Tuesday, Tuesday, boy, boy, boy. We've already, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the boy, Tuesday, boy, Tuesday. Tuesday. So that means if we just then count all these up, we have 7 plus 7 plus 7 plus 6, uh, which is not 23, it's 27. Hmm. So there's 27 different ways this can happen. How hmm. many of those are boy, boy? So let's see, we have... It's, it's 7 and 6. 7 and 6. Yes. So it turns out that the solution to this is 13 27ths. So a little bit less than half. 
That's a. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, it's about forty-eight percent. Hmm. So you know, initially we were talking about uh, how you know your intuition states that if you know that one of the children is born as a boy then it should just be 50% because the other child should just have a 50-50 chance. But we've shown if we don't know anything else about the children, it can be one-third. Mm. Now, uh, you can actually show this using uh, limits that the probability will approach 50% as you put on extra data days. that has you know, even lower probabilities. So having mm-hmm. a boy born on a Tuesday, or you, I mean, if you know a boy is born, the probability he's born on a Tuesday is one-seventh. One but let's say you uh, name a day of the year. Yeah, like uh, July twelfth. Yeah, yeah, and one of them's a child who's born on July twelfth. Well, then it would probably be like point four nine nine nine, and then you know uh, it's a child that was born on uh, July twelfth, nineteen ninety one. Then you're going to be essentially at fifty percent. Depends on whether you think time's finite or not, but yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, uh, and uh, the child was born after the time I was 20 years old. Oh. You know, or whoever's saying mm-hmm. it is 20. So, like, the child was born before 1950. Yeah, okay. Something like that. I mean, you have to put some sort, otherwise... Yeah, otherwise, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can only go so far back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess, I guess there is a finite, at least currently finite, bound on uh, how long people. humans have been here. Uh, so I mean, it yeah. could not could not exist before humans existed on the planet Earth. So you know, but approximately thirty million that, years. Yeah, we, then we have to specify. Not only was it born, it has to be human. We have been talking about humans. Uh, it's a human who poses the question. So therefore, we're very humanist. Well, no, it's a human Misusing posing the question. The that thing has to be at least half human. Therefore, we can't go back past oh, you the beginning of Homo erectus. Oh, okay. Whoa, whoa. Uh, yeah, I was more that. concerned with goats. And, yeah, I but mean, I mean, it would still be half human. Because half human, half goat, Seder? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, totally. So, I mean, yeah. at, least, at least humans would <laughs> have had to exist for the Seder to exist. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I may grant you that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and, and so, like, that problem, it, I mean, that's one of the things about recreational math. And that's one of the things about almost all recreational math puzzles is that they have something to do with something that makes no intuitive sense. Like, the idea is to, you know, show something that just doesn't make complete sense. I mean, to really introduce people, like, look at this. The math is not just 2 plus 2 equals 4. Hmm. It might be, or it's not just, th- uh, what, 10 minus 3 equals 7. 10 minus 3 might equal 13. For more information on why that's true, please listen <laughs> to next week's combination of its own permutations. I'm really trying to stretch and to get you to listen now. Yeah. Well, I, I really think this next episode is going to be a lot better than it this one. It has something to do with 33 and <laughs> that other book. Yeah, 31, 32, 33, and 10 minus 3 equals 13. 18. You know, if anyone you happens to read Alex to Bayos really as stuff. much as I do, uh, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Um uh, and uh, and so, I mean, that's one of the things. It's these things like the birthday problem or this Tuesday boy birthday problem, which is really insane. Hmm. Uh, and I mean, probability is one of those areas that's really unintuitive. But I mean, there's the other thing, like the Penrose tiling. Who would figure that, I mean, you could just create an object with two shapes that creates an aperiodic tiling. Oh, yeah. It's a non-repeating tiling. And at the last gathering for Gardner, they finally released a single tile aperiodic tiling. The only way you can tile the plane with it such that no gaps exist, which is what a tiling or a tessellation is, right. is you 
are you know putting these pieces together so that there's no gaps. Uh, and they finally created an object that is a single object that aperiodically tiles the plane. Hmm. Yeah, like the fuck. I don't I don't know what it looks like. I haven't seen a picture of the tiling yet. It's pretty but freaking crazy. Probably looks crazy is what it looks like. <laughs> well, Come on. I mean, it would it would have to be, wouldn't it? I mean, this this thing is a an aperiodic tiling of the plane, which always. I mean, those don't look right uh, to us yeah, anyway. Yeah, of one object though. Yeah, of a That's single a object. Yeah, one, yeah, it's a crazy ass object. <laughs> so I know I, it, I've seen you know aperiodic ones, but not of a single. I wonder object. if it has something to do with like the angle being some weird number theoretic object. Well, I mean, but I mean, these tilings, when they get weird like that, think like Escher. I mean, as I said, Escher's, uh, you know, I mean, Gardner was the one who really, you know, brought Escher to public knowledge as well. And oh, yeah. think about some of those weird tilings he had, like with the fish or the, dw- or the elf. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because, I mean, these things aren't just, you know, like a nice object. They have arms coming off of them and, yeah. you know, spikes and things like that. Yeah. You can so, look I mean, at it's, them it's, different ways. They're not, they're not uh, nice convex objects. Yeah, I'm just wondering if the fact that it's a you get one single object with an aperiodicity. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that there's number, number theory theoretic. involved, but yeah. I mean, it's not just one weird angle. It's like forty, probably. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm assuming they all meet some weird criterion, which <laughs> totally. Because I mean, you can't come up with a weird tiling by accident. You know? No, you, you have. Well, like, I mean, this guy who has, I'm, I'm sure, yeah. been working most of his life on it because. I mean, up till now, we've only had two objects, or the, I mean, the smallest number of objects we've had in aperiodic tiling is two, mm-hmm. and, and the so Penrose he, yeah, tiling and its following, it. followers. What does, an a, what does an aperiodic tiling exactly, I mean, just the uh, it definition never, of it? It never reproduces in the same pattern while you're tiling. Like, if you look at it at any spot, right, if you look at it, like, through, I don't know, like a tube or something, you look at it, and then you look somewhere else, it'll never look like that, like you did it the first time. It'll I would look different think it would mean, like, it. if you change the origin, it's not the same yeah. from every particular origin. It's a non-periodic covering of the plane. Uh, it's a property of a particular set of tiles. Any given finite tiling is either periodic or non-periodic. A tiling of the plane is aperiodic if and only if it consists of copies of a finite set of tiles that they themselves only admit non-periodic tilings. Wow. <laughs> Talk about recursive <laughs> definitions. That's the hard way to say it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, but it's it's literally it's what I said. It's no harder version. It's literally like what Brand said. If you look at it at any given point, it never looks the same. Locally, it will never look the same. You look at a neighborhood. The best way to do that is look through like a paper towel rod or something like that, and just look at it, and you know it'll never look the same. Hmm. Unless you look, I mean, you got. I guess you have to look outside the tile. Yeah. Okay, uh, we've kind of, we've kind of spun off here, but I think I think that's probably what we're going to cover for today. So, I, if you're interested, more interested in recreational math, I suggest go pick up one of the seventy books that Martin Gardner wrote, uh, including the wow. one the one. Well, not those are on philosophy, religion, math. Uh, he had a novel or two, and so I mean, it's that's not it's not the stuff I did my research on. Yeah, it's not all <laughs> recreational mathematics, uh, but there is one that is literally a collection of all twenty five years of his columns of mathematical games. And I've, I've looked through it. I've never been interested in recreational math much myself. Uh, every once in a while, probability problems will catch my eye and I'll, I'll have some fun doing it. But a lot of recreational math I don't find 
super interesting, but I know that a lot of people do. And this book has problems in there that I get excited just looking at and, you know, thinking, wow, like that's just interesting. Like this is a math problem I've never thought of in this way. And so I suggest it, go pick that up at the, at the very least, uh, People will come in and be like, oh, you have the Martin Gardner book. And other like, mathematicians will think that you're, uh, you're really cool and awesome. Unless your name is Sam Hansen. Uh, Samuel Hansen, thank you very much. <laughs> and so for Brandon the Massacre or Metzger, or Metz, uh, Christopher the Undergraduate Annoying the Hell Out of Me Bates, and <laughs> like that one. Anthony, I just don't care, Solari. This is Samuel, the awesome one, Hanson, saying, I hope you have a math, a magical week. That is our time for another episode of Combinations and Permutations. If you want to leave any feedback about this episode, uh, please email me at Samuel at AcmeScience.com. I really would love to hear from you. I, I mean that quite seriously. I talk to almost nobody ever. It's kind of depressing. Also, if you want to find out more information about the things that we talked about on this podcast, please head over to acmescience.com and talk about this episode in the Acme Science forums at acmescience.com slash forum. All the music on this episode of Combinations and Permutations from SB12. You can find them over at opsound.org. And as always, this is a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike licensed podcast. So reuse all this audio. Really. Reuse it. Remix it. Make me say really more stupid things than I already do. But just make sure to say that we did it and release it in the same way that we did. Thank you all for listening, and I hope that you listen to our next episode of Combinations and Permutations. Have a good week.